MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get to the game. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? Not a f***ing geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Somewhat insulting intro, but I'm down with it. Hey, second hour of Hardwood Handicappers. We got a lot. We got a lot to go over in the next 60 minutes. And as I have mentioned throughout the first hour, if you weren't with us, Matt Humans was on a fantastic spot. As always, my cohort on the edge. Check that out at vsom.com slash podcast when the show is up. Uh, also in the Hardwood Handicappers feed. The show will be regularly as we get into, man, this is exciting. This is my favorite time of year. This is my favorite time of year because, one, I love college hoops. So uh, March Madness, of course, is uh, chef's kiss. It's fantastic. But after this weekend... Right, we kind of we don't really have that much going on in terms of college basketball. It's spring training, baseball. It's NBA. So now you really get into it. Like people are paying attention. They're going, "Oh, hey, look at this! You know, the NBA. It's here. Yes, it is." So exciting time of year as we are heading down the home stretch. Ten games left for some teams in the regular season. Quick updates: uh, TCU actually got out to an eight to nothing lead over Arizona. Uh, Wildcats have cut into that. It's now ten to six with fifteen fifty nine left to go in the first half. Auburn. Uh, I will not say that it is done, but uh, they are now down by 12 with about, uh, we'll call it 255 left to go. Offensive board and a second chance point, no good. So Miami's going to get this, and we are running in the opposite direction. Hurricanes up by 12, but it looks like a turnover there. And halftime, 36 to 30. Purdue up on top of the Longhorns at the break. So these are our final three games of the day in terms of the NCAA tournament. Again, we will keep you up to date on these games as they are on during our show today. And, of course, I don't know how late they go. Uh, next Sunday, but if they are on, we will keep you up to date. And to keep you up to date on all of those, Will Hill, Points for the Weekly Contributor, is going to be with us in about 10 minutes from now. So we shift back to the association as all these games have reached commercial break. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Monday because Monday's schedule is actually really freaking good. There's a lot of games that carry a lot of weight. Teams on second legs of back-to-back, so it'll be tough to read into the injury report. Uh, but wanted to start with um, what looks like it's going to be a pretty fun game on the surface. That would be a uh, matchup of two play-in teams in their respective conference. New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, right now, in terms of the odds board, because some of these numbers are starting to trickle out um, for Monday's contest. This is usually about the time where the overnight lines get hung up on most shops. But you could expect the Hornets are going to be a slight home favorite here against the Pelicans. The Hornets, though, this is why this matters, right? Because both of these teams jockeying for position in terms of the play and race in the respective conference. Hornets come in 6-2 and two straight up in ATS in March. Have outscored opponents by 8.9 points every 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. 
averaging 124.7 points per 100 possessions on offense. Best offensive rating in the NBA over that stretch in the month of March. Pelicans, they come in having one and covered two of three, but two and five straight up in ATS in their last seven with a negative 2.1 net rating coming into today, allowing 118.1 points per 100 possessions defensively over that stretch. Now, they did get, a uh, Pelicans, a win today over the Atlanta Hawks, which, by the way, worth very much mentioning. The Atlanta Hawks, now one and eight against the spread in their last nine games. And if you've watched the edge in any way whatsoever, or you listen to the podcast on Friday, uh, the fact that the Hawks continue to get support on a night-to-night basis is absolutely astounding considering how bad this team is defensively. And uh, we'll call it um, how inconsistent they can be at times, especially in late-game scenarios. But you see the number there. Uh, I am wrong here, actually. I thought this was going to be a slight number here in favor of the Charlotte Hornets. Not the case. It looks like DraftKings on the overnight is going to open up six here in favor of the Charlotte Hornets over the New Orleans Pelicans. You understand it to a certain extent. Second leg of a back-to-back. Brandon Ingram is probably not going to play here. Devontae Graham is questionable. Ingram, of course, has been dealing with this hamstring injury. was also sick, so that kept him uh, from making the trip. Graham, I would say, potentially, that Devontae Graham has a chance to play into this game. Today he didn't play, but it was his first game missed since January 26th, regularly in the lineup, so maybe on the front end of a back-to-back, uh, a little bit of rest so you can get him ready for this game against Charlotte, and the Hornets don't have Gordon Hayward. Uh, first blush, though, six does seem high here for Charlotte because while they played well and their defense is fine and they're, again, leading the league in the month of March in offensive rating, the Pelicans still have a pretty good advantage here down low. You still have Jonas Valanciunas. You still have Jackson Hayes. That's a massive front court against a front court that has some pretty big weaknesses, the Charlotte Hornets do, right? Even though you got Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell is not a dynamic like rebounder. He's a good scoring big, but he can get beat up down low by some pretty, you know, I would call it strong opposition down low. And you have 6'11 and 7-foot Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes down there battling for boards. And it's why these, this is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. So my initial thought here is that you're going to see this number start to trickle toward the New Orleans Pelicans. Six is a lot. It, just to give you an idea, again, home court this year has been worth two points. So if you want to give it, we're talking about four-point spread in favor of Charlotte on a neutral when we're talking about a six-point spread. And a two-point spread in favor of Charlotte on the road in New Orleans. And these are two teams that are pretty evenly matched at this point right now from a power rating perspective, even with the injury concerns that the Pelicans have in favor of Brandon Ingram. Now, if Devontae Graham doesn't play, obviously that's a different matter, and six seems a little bit fairer. But if Graham is going to play, which I would lean toward him doing, I'm going to go out of limb here and say that this six starts to disappear, and you're going to start to see this get a little bit closer to about the four-and-a-half range by the time we get to tomorrow morning on these overnight lines. This is a good part, by the way, about – getting involved with some of these overnight lines, you can grab some pretty good numbers because these move pretty quickly in the dead of night. And by the time you get to tomorrow morning, you're going to see completely different numbers. But good contest between both of these. High total as well. So you're going to get a back-and-forth game. Total of 234. One of multiple 230 totals on the board for today or for tomorrow. Put it that way for Monday. But watch out for the Pelicans. Pelicans have been playing some pretty good basketball other than that four-game stretch where they lost C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram in one fell swoop. This is going to be a team to uh, monitor and again, as you know here, if you've watched this program, if you listen to the podcast, I'm very much pro Pelicans as I have a plus 440 ticket on them to make the postseason. Now, with that out of the way, big game on the board for tomorrow. Miami on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers are in action right now to update what is going on here. And this is part of a bigger conversation to have about Philly at this point. So they are up, but they were only up 65 to 63 with 430 left to go in the third over the Toronto Raptors. Keep in mind that this is a Toronto Raptors team who today started Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, Ken Birch, 
and Gary Trent Jr., who don't have, who doesn't have OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet on the floor, the Philadelphia 76ers have con- some concerns. They're a very good team. And James Harden and Joel Embiid are a dynamic duo and two of the best players in the NBA that are playing together at this point right now. But from an offensive standpoint, when Joel Embiid leaves the floor, the backup center possession is an absolute mess. And while they still average about 124 points per 100 possessions with Harden on the floor without Joel Embiid, they're still giving up well over 120 points per 100 possessions defensively. As I mentioned, DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap are not very good backup center options to have on this team. You're seeing really uh, the value of an Andre Drummond type to have behind a Joel Embiid. And when you talk about their closing lineups, right, there are conversations to be had as to who you put out there. They have closed games with Georgie Niang out there as opposed to Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel, while he's a fine defender, he's not the lockdown defender that I think the consensus believes him to be, but he is a nothing, zero factor on offense. And you're starting to see in these crunch time minutes that this Philadelphia 76ers team is having some trouble closing out games, i.e. covering games as well. 2-5-1 and one ATS and their last eight coming into this game today against the Toronto Raptors. So, Philly, while there was all sorts of good feelings in those first four games together, and the offense was great, and they were getting to the line, there are some real concerns with this team when you're talking about being the difference in a championship contention against some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, like a Boston Celtics, like a Milwaukee Bucks, like a Miami Heat, for example, who they play tomorrow. Now, the Heat tomorrow have their own injury questions, too. Uh, Butler missed Miami's win over Oklahoma City on Friday. He's got an ankle injury that he's been dealing with, so we'll see if he's going to be able to play And being that this is a second leg of a back-to-back for the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid has been questionable for each of the last three games, ended up playing today, and we know what happened when James Harden and uh, the 76ers were supposed to play the Miami Heat last time around. Harden ended up sitting that game out for hamstring maintenance, whatever they want to call it. So there's certainly a very realistic scenario here where if Philly doesn't care about the one seed, they're willing to sit any one of the two or both, Joel Embiid and James Harden, tomorrow when they take on the Miami Heat. So on the board right now, Um, You're not seeing much in terms of that game because it's a second leg of a back-to-back and because I think you do have real injury concerns about both Embiid, Harden, and then, of course, uh, Jimmy Butler on the other side. Not James Butler. You know, it's Jimmy. But regardless, keep an eye on Philly. Like, when you're watching these games, watch those closing lineups. Watch the minutes without Embiid on the floor and how that center position looks with DeAndre Jordan and with Paul Millsap. Just not very good. And there's not many options here. It does seem that this is a build toward next year as opposed to winning a title this year. And that's why I would hesitate to, in any way whatsoever, bet on Philadelphia to make it out of the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, Utah on the road against Brooklyn as well tomorrow. We talked a little bit about it in the first hour, right? No, don't worry about Simmons or Irving at home anymore. This is where the Brooklyn Nets are. And Brooklyn, 3-6 and six straight up, 2-7 and seven ATS in their last nine games at home. We know why, right? They're just not a complete team. Kyrie Irving makes this team better. Kevin Durant can only do so much on his own, and he almost single-handedly beat the Dallas Mavericks the other night. But still... Nets not really a team worth looking at on a night-to-night basis at home. Now, they are one-and-a-half-point favorite here. Again, underneath that line of two, so that would tell you that, at least currently constructed, just Kevin Durant on his own, the market does believe the Jazz are the better team, and I would not be surprised to see Utah go off as a slight road favorite against the Brooklyn Nets, only because they come into today. It is the second leg of a back-to-back for Utah, so keep that in mind. But... 2-0 straight up in ATS in their last two games after a 4-4 straight up 1-7 ATS run of the uh, Utah Jazz. Took care of... The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe... 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Business against the New York Knicks, 108 to 93 today, and they did so without Mike Conley. And, of course, Bojan Bogdanovic, who has missed time, too. You can expect Conley to be on the floor tomorrow. Took a rest day today. He's been frequently resting as well. The Jazz have been taking care of him in that regard. Bogdanovich and the others, like Yudoka Azabuke and Trent Forrest, aren't, aren't going to play. They've been missing multiple games with serious injuries. But you can expect that one Mike Conley is going to be out there. And you could probably expect that the Jazz are going to be favored when this thing tips off tomorrow. Yes, it's the second leg of a back-to-back, but the market doesn't really like this Nets team at home. That has been represented by a few of the numbers that have closed there in Brooklyn. Brooklyn only has the market soldier to worry about. I didn't have a really strong read here. It's just worth noting that this is probably going to be a higher scoring affair total in the range, I would say, of about 230 or so. we got a, quite a few high scores tomorrow, high totals. All right, we'll get back to the, of course, uh, games for tomorrow. Really good one between Minnesota and Dallas. Uh, injury concerns with Carl Anthony Towns. We'll see if he's going to play. But when we come back, Will Hill is going to be with us, contributor points for weekly host of the New York City cast. We get back to keeping you up to date on everything in the NCAA tournament. Miami up 72-61 with 118 left to go in the second half against Auburn. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Play free college basketball for a share of $15,000 this March with the Halo Hoops Series. Destroy the competition for cash with a winning lineup and three free-to-play contests and compete for your share of $5,000 per contest. Head to DraftKings.com slash Paramount Plus now to join the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yes, destroy the competition. Like Master Chief against the Covenant. Oh, yeah. I'm a little nerd. I got that in me. Halo series? I'm kind of in. I'll watch it when I got time. Uh, all right. Will Hill is with us at William, uh, at not the Will Hill up on Twitter. Contributor points with weekly host, New York City cast. All right, Will. Uh, first off, uh, I will, I'll let you uh, 
take your bow gray. Look at the beard's looking a little bit longer, buddy. Are you like, you're letting yourself go? What are you doing? It's March. I mean, watching these games from from morning to uh, tonight, I'm actually getting sad. It's ending. This is one of my favorite weekends yep. uh, of the year. When you start Thursday at noon, uh, round the clock, then then Sunday, you know, there's kind of that back to school feeling where the party's over. You know, the games are winding down. It's uh, it's a little bit of withdrawal we're heading to- towards. You know, it's it's funny. The first four days, it's like an event, and then after this, from the Sweet Sixteen, the Sweet Sixteen on, I always think of it. It's just like a basketball tournament. So, a uh, little bit of a uh, you know, a sad end to this weekend, but it's fun. There's nothing like you know, this tournament, even though sometimes the coaching, uh, you know, the refereeing, the broadcast, it isn't always the best from a pure basketball standpoint, but uh, from an entertainment standpoint, it's about as good as it gets. It's just always so much fun. So we got off to a chalky start uh, earlier today, but we do have a few of the upsets now coming in. Uh, Iowa, or excuse me, uh, let's see, we get uh, Miami taking down Auburn right now. This one's still going, but this is going to be over with Miami 79, Auburn 61. So the Hurricanes are going to move on. Uh, today, or excuse me, to the Sweet 16. We also got earlier today uh, Iowa State taking down Wisconsin 54 to 49 after the first three games went to the chalk. Oh. Well, so uh, takeaways from today. You can go anywhere you want. You can go Big Ten, you can go Iowa State, or whatever you'd like. You can take it from here. Yeah, I just want to double check with you on something. Uh, Iowa State, Wisconsin, that's not a best of three, a best of seven, right? We don't have to watch that again. That um, was pretty tough to watch at times. My goodness. Surprisingly, uh, it was better to watch than uh, the LSU-Iowa State. I thought that was going to be god-awful. But, uh, yeah, the Wisconsin-Iowa State game was not any better. It was not a thing of beauty. Not going to win any beauty pageants. Uh, think about it. In Iowa State-Miami, one of those teams is going to the Elite yep. Eight. I mean, we could do all the brackets, do all the write-ups. I mean, who had, uh, you know, Iowa State and Miami and the, one of those teams in the Elite Eight? It's just strange. And uh, some of these dogs, man, it's not for the faint of heart, this business. Michigan State, that was a terrible beat. Notre Dame almost was a terrible beat. So some of these dogs really had uh, had to hang on for dear life today. So let's talk about the next round. As some of these matchups are starting to take shape here. And on the surface, it does seem like maybe it's setting up for some chalk. Well, let's start Arkansas and Gonzaga. Your initial thoughts here. Gonzaga opens up eight-point favorite with a total of 156.5. Not surprised that they open up as a solid favorite. Uh, but part of me thinks that the Razorbacks, you know, with the ability to run uh, just like Gonzaga wants to, they could probably stay within a number like this, especially how well they played defensively. What do you make of that matchup? Yeah, I'm with you. It's just the problem, you know, when you like to run and Gonzaga likes to run, Gonzaga's just doing it with better horses. It feels like Gonzaga kind of took their punch last night. It, it, it felt bad for Memphis because I, I don't think they got a great whistle. And boy, there's a lot of teams in the country they would have beat last night. Gonzaga just wasn't one of them. They just found a way to gut the game out. Uh, you know, I, I would lean maybe towards the eight and a half here. It's just, you know what, styles make fights and Gonzaga's just got better players uh, then Arkansas, you know, it's funny if you watch Timmy and you watch Holmgren and somebody told you one of these guys is the first pick in the draft. You watched the game last night. You think it was Timmy. I mean, he really just put the team on his back and carried him to the finish line. Uh, you know, no play for me on this one. Uh, maybe looking at it over, looking at it over here. It's just going to be tough for Arkansas. Cause like I said, they play the same style as Gonzaga. Gonzaga just does it a little better. And Memphis wants to run too, but to give them credit, it actually wasn't really a fast paced game the other night, right? Only 68 possessions, yeah. kind of a little bit more grinded down, slow them down type of deal. There was a team earlier this year that ran with them, uh, but Duke has a couple of NBA players on that roster, right? They ran up yeah. and down the floor, and they're one of the few that can match that in terms of athleticism and the horses. So let's go there. Newmans and I were talking about this. We had him in the first hour. Uh, we kind of we both talked about it. Thought you know Duke open as the favorite. You know the market likes him. Probably get some support. It is Texas Tech that opens up as a one point favorite Ooh. here against the Blue Devils. Yeah, what do you think? Disappointed. I was hoping to get Texas Tech plus yeah. a couple of points, maybe a two and a half. Yep. You know those books, they're they're smarter than we we uh, we hope for sometimes because that's 
That's a good Texas team. Uh, tech team. I, I mentioned how Arkansas and Gonzaga play the same style. These two teams, Texas Tech and Duke, are like polar opposites. You know, Texas Tech is a methodical team, defense first. Uh, Duke's kind of the opposite. So this one is going to be a fascinating, uh, you know, sort of study here from just a basketball perspective. I would actually lean towards Texas Tech. I just don't trust Duke's, you know, defense. They seem to me to be detached at times. Uh, again, they kind of pulled that game out today. They took over the last five minutes. That game got really dicey. And, and look, Texas Tech, it's not like they cruised to an easy victory either. Uh, not sure I'm lining up to bet this. You know, gun to my head right now, I'd probably go with Texas Tech again. This is going to be a fascinating game to watch. Yeah, it's just from a matchup standpoint, might be the best game of the weekend. And, and Duke week. defensively, will like the way they play, it raises the floor of Texas Tech because today, you mentioned it, only 0.94 points per possession. They shot 4 of 15 from three-point range. Like They were pretty poor on the offensive end. They can be pretty poor. So if Duke is going to play the same brand of defense we've seen them play for what now, like a month or so, uh, that Texas Tech we know is a better defensive team. And all of a sudden, if you're getting a better offense from Texas Tech, it, it does seem like you know I can understand them being favored. I was hoping you'd get, like I said, two and a half with humans too. But it does seem like from a matchup standpoint, if you're going to get a better offensive effort from Texas Tech, the way they match up defensively, it's going to be a pretty tough night. Yeah, this might be a better one to watch than to bet yeah. because, like you said, you're hoping for a couple of points here with Texas Tech. Be a little sneaky about it. But, boy, to lay one with Texas Tech, I don't know. You know, as much as I like this team, I like the way they're coached, and there, there's a lot of things I do like about Texas Tech. To lay a point here with Duke, I mean, you're just picking sides here. Just from a pure, you know, who's got better players. Duke's got the better players, as we know. So uh, that might be a stay away. All right, so we go to another matchup. Michigan had not won consecutive games since February 8th and 10th. They beat Penn State and Purdue uh, on the road, and then at home, that was a Purdue game, they beat them at home. So they go, they lose in the Big Ten tournament to Indiana in glorious fashion. But now they come into this, they get the good matchup against Colorado State. They have the size advantage. They end up coming back and winning that game. Take care of business against Tennessee. Now find themselves in a Sweet 16 matchup with Villanova. What do you make of this? Novo opens up five with a total of 135 and a half. Yeah, I'm seeing on the screen here four and a half. I would lean towards laying the four and a half. I just still think there's some things with Michigan that you can expose, you know, defending point of attack, defending the pick and roll. Uh, I think Nova's going to run that a lot and run that pretty well, obviously with the experienced point guard at Gillespie. Uh, I would lean towards laying the four and a half here with Nova just because I do think, you know, perimeter defense, there's still some things you can expose here with Michigan. Yeah, I'm fascinated. And, you know, sometimes we were talking about this, uh, earlier, you know, sometimes it's the way the bracket breaks for you. And if you get really good matchups, I think North Carolina is a pretty good example of that, right? You get an undersized Marquette team who you can just beat up on the glass, which they did, and they win that game. Then you get Baylor, who doesn't have Jonathan Chamuchachua, and eventually, you know, that difference on the glass, I think it was 47-38, kind of plays out. You beat Baylor in overtime, you win that. It does seem that Michigan's got a little bit more of a favorable draw coming forward, but Villanova is a little bit of a different story. Uh, let's go Providence and Kansas next. So th that was all we talked about, right? The luck factor, Providence, and getting by, all this stuff. You know, you get blown out by Creighton in the Big East tournament and things like this. The luck has ran out. South Dakota State's going to beat them. They take care of business there. Now, of course, take care of the business. And uh, this weekend to move on to take on Kansas, who opens up 8.5 with a total of 139.5. We're down to 7.5 now. So now the Providence Friars getting support by the market, Will. Yeah, I got friends that I argue with, too. Oh, you called them lucky. Well, they are lucky. They drew Richmond instead of Iowa. Yep. They get to be a four-point favorite and blow them away. But, hey, give them credit. They move on to the Sweet 16. Really never in doubt in either game. I mean, they, they controlled that South Dakota State game pretty much for the most part. I think South Dakota State cut it to two or three late. But for the most part, Providence was in control. And, and they just boat raced Richmond. That was never a game. I think the first score I saw was like 24 to 10. And uh, it only got worse from there. Although, if you look at the shot quality of that game, Richmond, 
you know, should have been in the game a little more, but Hey, th- this team just keeps the defy keeps defying the statistics. Um, you know, I don't think they win this game, but that looks a little heavy with a Kansas team, a bill self team. I never trust. I mean, that was pulling teeth yesterday against a beat up Creighton team. You know, that got steamed up to, I think 13, 13 and a half, mm-hmm. and they had to hang on for dear life. So uh, I'm not crazy about laying this number with Kansas. I'm sure they move on, but uh, if I had to pick a side on this one without doing any research into it yet, uh, I, I would probably lean towards taking the points here. By the way, to update the, uh, I mentioned the shot quality. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Will, because I know you like this stuff. The shot quality um, final score for Kentucky and St. Peter's. Shot quality score was actually 85-63 in favor of Kentucky. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough loss for St. Peter's, who's going to, of course, await the winner of Purdue and Texas that game at the break. All right, last couple of minutes here with you, dude. Now, last 90, I mentioned North Carolina, the run they've been on. Well, now they get UCLA that might not have Jaime Hawkins on the floor. What do you make of this? Yeah, interesting matchup. I think, you know, you look at Mick Cronin's teams, they defend, and I just think that'll be the defense, the the, uh, the, the difference in this one. Uh, you know, they can put out some really good defensive lineups here. Uh, I would lean towards UCLA on a money line. They really smothered a good St. Mary's team. I know they're not overly talented St. Mary's, but that's a team that knows how to play. They're well coached, and they just dominated that game last night. Uh, I would kind of lean towards UCLA here, making the Elite Eight. All right, man. Hey, so what do you got futures-wise? What are you still sitting on? What's still alive? I think they're all gone. I think poof, it's like a magic magic show. I think I look up and they're gone. I didn't have a I didn't have a lot. If yeah. I like anything, I'll just roll it over, do a mechanical parlay game by game. The few I did take, I had like a rogue ninety to one, eighty five to one on Wisconsin, which would have been a nice matchup with Miami, but Wisconsin, uh, you know, they're they're not around anymore. So uh, we move on. I'm excited for these games. I was kind of depressed when we first started this that the weekend's ending, but you know, looking at these Sweet Sixteen games, it's not the volume of the first weekend, but these games are just so much fun. I'm excited for them. Quality over quantity, my friend. At not the yeah. Will Hill on Twitter. Good to talk to you, man. All right, see you guys. Appreciate yeah. it, JVC. Vsin.com/slash subscribe. Check out all the work there too. You know what to do with it comes to Will Hill. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will update the scoreboard in the association, keep you up to date, of course, with everything that's going on right now. We're about to start the second half between Purdue and Texas and also Arizona up 27-24 over TCU with 6.03 left to go in the first half. Keep it here. It's Harvard Handicap with v Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Wendy's and Adult Swim's Rick and Morty are teaming up to invite Las Vegas locals and basketball fans to get swifty at the first ever Morty's Mayhem pop-up. Located at Resorts World's East Garden Plaza, the immersive experience brings the show off the screen and onto the strip with never-before-seen animations of Wendy's breakfast characters in the Rick and Morty universe and the return of the elusive Pickle Rick, Pickle Frosty. Boom, big reveal on the alternate universe. Fans can also play a life-size game of Plinko, score exclusive swag, try items from Wendy's delicious menu lineup. Better hurry, check out Wendy's Morty's Mayhem at Resorts World. It's only open today until 9 p.m. here in Las Vegas. Matt Humans, very big Wendy's fan, very big Wendy's fan. Actually says the breakfast is like incredible, and I've always wanted to try the breakfast. Uh, big Baconator fan, as you can, you're probably really surprised by the physique, but like love the Baconator. Baconator's good. Haven't had one for a while, but it's good. All right, some uh, score updates as we go around in the world of college basketball. Again, yes, it's an NBA show, but uh, I think I'd be a fool to not keep you up to date on these things. Forty to thirty-nine, the Longhorns have come back here against Purdue. They trail by a point with sixteen forty-eight left to go. I believe the Longhorns, uh, no, this is not going to be a, uh, a free throw attempt. This is actually a foul, so baseline out of bounds for the Boilermakers. And uh, Arizona up on top, 34-29. Largest lead of the night out there in San Diego. Arizona 
up on top of TCU. Those are our last two games of the day in the round of 32 and the last two games up. The round of 32, everybody else, of course, moves on to the Sweet 16. We'll see who will move on to the Sweet 16 out of Purdue, Texas, Arizona, TCU. A reminder for those who are wondering, as you track these games, it can be hard to keep track of it, winner of TCU and Arizona will move on to face Houston, and the winner of Texas, Purdue, will move on to take the powerhouse Peacocks of St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. So we'll see who has the honor of moving on there. With that, NBA games are underway, too, and we're keeping an eye on a couple of these, including uh, one – the Golden State Warriors and the um, San Antonio Spurs are in a pretty heated battle here. 88 to 87, 836 left to go in the fourth quarter. So why this game matters? Well, it's multiple reasons. One, the Warriors win today, and they can surpass their win total and clinch the over. They only need one more win. I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, they are not going to lose the rest of their games. They will surpass their win total at some point this season. San Antonio needs three more wins to go over their win total. So this would be pretty big for San Antonio to steal one against Golden State near the end of the year. But also, it's the first game we've seen from Golden State without Steph Curry on the floor, right? Steph Curry, of course, uh, late last week, Wednesday, Thursday, I think it was Wednesday, goes down with a foot injury against the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart, the the whole dirty play thing is kind of a dumb conversation. Marcus Smart was diving for a ball, accidentally lands on Curry's foot. He gets injured, very serious injury. You hope that he recovers here. Curry's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, but... This is the start of a stretch here now for the Golden State Warriors in which they're going to close out the regular season potentially without Curry on the floor. How they look and how they compete is going to be something worth monitoring. And uh, so far, you know, going back and forth in a one-possession game with the San Antonio Spurs, not the best way to start your tenure without Steph Curry. But again, San Antonio Spurs have put together some pretty good performances and have shown up against some, um, some pretty good teams throughout the regular season. So keeping an eye on that. Also keeping an eye, 840, or excuse me, 620 left to go in the fourth. The Toronto Raptors, who do not have OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet tonight, are going head-to-head with Joel Embiid and James Harden. 82-81, 620 left to go here. Uh, the Toronto Raptors are looking, again, to improve their seating, right? They're in control of the seventh seed, a game and a half behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are in control of the sixth right now, so trying to climb their way out. But also a Toronto Raptors team, who we talked about in the first hour, has gone through some inconsistent stretch because of injury, because Fred Van Vliet has been in and out of the lineup with a sore knee, because OG Ananobi has hurt his hand, because Malachi Flynn has been out of the lineup with a hamstring issue. And this Philadelphia 76ers team, who has been power rated the moon because, of course, you have two of the biggest stars on the planet there in Joel Embiid and James Harden playing with one another. But come into this game 2-6-1 ATS, or should be 2-5-1 ATS, in their last eight games because of how poorly they have played defensively at times, because of these lineup situations that they have, who you close these games out with, how poor the backup center position has been. So we'll see if Philly can pull this out. And remember, not really great to have a a contest like this because tomorrow Philadelphia back in action to take on the Miami Heat. So those are the two games that are really worth monitoring here and the only two games that are currently underway right now in the NBA. So we'll keep you up to date and see what's going to happen. But two really highly contested contests so far, highly contested contests. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, by the way, technical foul call, I believe, is on Clay Thompson. So they got a couple of free throws, and we'll see what's going to happen here. So let's go back to tomorrow. As we look ahead to the schedule that will be, um, let's start with Minnesota at Dallas, because this is going to be a pretty interesting one. As we had mentioned, for those who weren't with us in the first hour, Minnesota has been absolutely incredible. 10-1 straight up in ATS in their last 11. They are 18-5 and ATS in their last 23 games. They're covering left and right. One of the best offenses in the NBA. One of the best defenses, at least in terms of forcing turnovers in the association over the last month and a half. Now get to take on Dallas. It's very important for Minnesota because with Denver kind of flailing around and only a half game up on them at this point right now, 
Uh, you win this game, you can move into a tie with Denver, who lost today by 20 points to the Boston Celtics. So again, in contention, it would be a big, it would be big for your guy here because I uh, got that preseason ticket on them to make the playoffs at about seven to one. Uh, but also, just in the grand scheme of things, because it does change things a little bit, right? All of a sudden. You're staring at a 3-6 matchup between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors. But regardless, this game tomorrow, so far, uh, I think I've got it off the board on my screen. I'm going to double-check because I haven't updated this for a minute. So you got some spots opening like Dallas. It looks like two and a half, maybe, potentially. Uh, n- the only real injury question mark here, and you're going to see some hesitancy to put this game on the board, is Carl Anthony Towns. He is questionable, as is Nas Reed. Looks like Nas Reed's going to play. Tim Hardaway Jr., not going to play. He has been out for some time now here. What is going to be worth monitoring as you check this game out is Dallas, because Dallas, remember that stretch near the beginning of the year, the calendar year, in which Dallas was dominant defensively. One of the best defenses in the NBA, still are from a statistical standpoint year long, but Dallas has kind of taken a step back here defensively. They have failed to cover each of their last three games. They have lost their last two. That would be to Charlotte and to Philadelphia. They just got by Brooklyn and the uh, the Kevin Durant-led Nets. But if you look at the last few games for the Dallas Mavericks and some of the individual defensive ratings that the Mavericks have been put up here, you're kind of starting to see some aggression. And it's worth noting for Dallas, if you looked at, again, the shot quality numbers that are out there, uh, effective the location effective field goal percentage that Cleaning the Glass has, for example, from the start of the beginning of the year to about mid-February, you saw that if you looked at it from a location standpoint, that, you know, in shot quality standpoint, Dallas is closer in the middle of the pack than one of the best defenses in the NBA. And sure enough, you're starting to see those steps backwards here for the Dallas Mavericks. But just to give you an example of what the last few games have been like for Dallas defensively, uh, and again, like point totals we're talking about here, 129 and that loss to Charlotte, 111 to both Philadelphia and Brooklyn. And, and, they, and struggling against Brooklyn defensively, no shame, because the Boston Celtics struggled defensively against them. But defensive rating of 137.8 to Charlotte last time out, 126.1 to both Philly and Brooklyn in those two games. The New York Knicks, uh, in that game, 107-77, remember, they beat them up really badly. Uh, defensive rating in that game of 118.1. Again, going further down the list, the uh, Sacramento Kings. There was a very, there was a uh, one-point win for them as a five-point favorite at the beginning of March. Sa- uh, Sacramento Kings came into that game, put up an offensive rating of 114.4. So you're starting to see the blemishes here on the Dallas Mavericks defense. And if Carl Anthony Towns can play, and a team that over their last 11 games uh, is – what, 124.7, I think, is the offensive rating for them over the last 11 games. If Carl Anthony Towns is going to be out there, it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup for Dallas. And look, Dallas, in terms of what they added to the trade deadline, from an offensive standpoint, it looks like it works pretty well. To have three lead guards out there at one point, which is Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie, it really helps. But from a defensive standpoint, you're starting to see the real shape of Dallas here. And against a team like Minnesota, who has been playing this well, I would suspect, because again, home court worth two points this year, just hovering around that two, two-and-a-half-point range on some of these faint openers that we're seeing on the market right now. If Carl Anthony Towns plays, make this much more closer to four and probably about three-and-a-half as opposed to just the two out there. So I would expect that if Carl Anthony Towns is ruled in, this number is going to close about three-and-a-half, four, as opposed to the two, two-and-a-half that are out there right now at this point. And again, that's the only real injury worth monitoring here as we move forward. Rest of the games on Monday, it's not the sexiest slate in the world, and we'll continue to look at it. Uh, the Lakers at the Cleveland Cavaliers – going to be at the top of the list uh, to look at here. The Los Angeles Lakers, who are showing some fight, despite the fact that uh, it looked like they were going to be dead in the water and uh, maybe just cruising to get the season over with. 
But against Toronto, get that pretty big win. Russell Westbrook with some clutch plays down the stretch, 128-123, that win. But they get right back to losing, and they lose in a pretty big fashion over the weekend, 127-119 to the Washington Wizards. In the month of March, just four covers uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. They go hand-in-hand with the victories. They did cover against Dallas on the first day of March. But other than that, they win a game. They're more than likely going to cover. But look at the way that the market has treated this Lakers team now as we kind of look at the fact that we've finally seen this shift in terms of the market realizing that this is not really a team worth looking at, right? Catching two and a half on the road against the Washington Wizards. Um, Nine and a half in that game or nine against the Toronto Raptors on the road. So we have finally started to see this kind of take that turn here. As we look at the injury report, as usual, LeBron James, questionable to play. Wayne Ellington, questionable to play. Taylor Horton Tucker and Wendon Gabriel, who are on their injury report, looks like they're going to be out there. And we know we're getting with Cleveland. And to give Cleveland credit, too, man, the Cleveland Cavaliers, despite all of these injuries that they are dealing with here at this point, you're looking at this. They won their last two games and three out of four, beating Detroit, Denver, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Covered two of those games. Games have been starting to go over the total for the Cleveland Cavaliers because their defense has not been as good. But this team continues to win games and maintain its positioning in terms of the Eastern Conference play-ins. On the overnight line at this point right now, you're looking at the screen, seeing Cleveland minus six with a total of 223.5. Again, kind of representative of what's happening here. And we will again see the market start to move to the Lakers once it is officially ruled that LeBron James is going to play, if that is going to be the case. So, all right, we'll wrap up the Monday slate and get some other games in there. Toronto on the second leg of the back-to-back after playing this Philly games, taking on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, We get Boston on the road against the tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. So the rest of the game's not that great, but we got to talk about the Pistons. Pistons, man, they're great. Come back here on the Harvard Handicap. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Get analysis from our experts. That includes, of course, Craig Hoops-Peterson, who will be coming up next here on VSIN, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, that's me, and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team, conference a player to watch. From the favorites to the potential Cinderella, sign up today, get the betting guide, plus full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament, April 5th, for only $19 VSIN.com slash madness okay so we got some uh really tight affairs down the stretch in the nba and of course in college basketball too but we are heading into halftime tcu is going to hold on to this ball here for the final possession of the first half it looks like about 10 seconds left to go and running horned frogs getting to drive to the basket too strong with the left hand Ooh, offensive rebound no good we're going to get a foul call here 3.9 left to go in the first half there tcu down 39 35 uh, also, in the world of college basketball, the, sweet, the uh, sweet 16 on the line between Texas and Purdue. Purdue up 48-46, 11-58 left to go in the second. In the NBA, though, this is the real good stuff. The real good stuff. No. Um, regular season matchups between, you know, division opponents. What could be better? Toronto Raptors up on top, 89-86, 37.3 left to go here between them and the Philadelphia 76ers. This matters, of course, because this 76ers team, they're starting to fall apart as strong. But you're starting to see why just acquiring a superstar doesn't fix all the flaws with your team. And sure enough, if they fail to cover this game, they will fall to 2-6-1 ATS in their last, what is that, nine games? I think that's nine games if I do the math very quickly. In Toronto, again, can't stress it enough, very shorthanded here. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Against them and... It did look like for a moment that San Antonio was going to start to pull away against Golden State, but a Jordan Poole three and some pretty good defense has the Warriors back within two with 348 left to go. So in the last few seconds of that game, and of course the last few minutes of the Purdue-Texas game, we will keep you updated. But how the 76ers close this game out against Toronto, this is worth monitoring here because look at these. So if you look at the second quarter for Philadelphia in this game, just 17 points against Toronto. And in this fourth quarter against the Raptors, When you have Joel Embiid and James Harden on the floor, 12 points so far for the Philadelphia 76ers in the closing quarter of play against the Toronto Raptors. Embiid tonight, 6-20 for 21 points. He was 9-11 from the free throw line. Harden, uh, not great. 5-12 from the floor, 0-4 from three-point range, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. So last few possessions here, we'll see if the Philadelphia 76ers can get something going. It looks like they are reviewing. I don't know what they're reviewing at this point. Oh, no, okay, they're not reviewing. It's an inbounds here for the Philadelphia 76ers. So last 37 seconds, we'll see if they can get something going. Pick and roll with these two. Joel Embiid and James Harden leads to nothing. Harris is going to get it, so can't do play-by-play. But a turnover by Embiid, and the Raptors are off and running. It's going to be a bucket. No, but it's going to be a putback. We'll see if this is going to uh, be called an end one. And it looks like Toronto is going to win this game. So let's take a look at Monday and then the rest of the week. In the NBA, again, the rest of the card for tomorrow, it's not great, but it is worth talking about very quickly. The Detroit Pistons and the way that it looks like they're trying to close this season out because Detroit has been, and it's been with missing pieces, right? The Cade Cunningham and the city, Cade Cunningham, excuse me, a missing time here and there for the Detroit Pistons. And yet still uh, they continue to cover numbers. So after the loss to Cleveland on Saturday, 113 to 109, uh, they end up staying within that number. They have covered three consecutive games. And if you go back to this now, I'm going to double-check my notes here because five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, um, we're talking about a team that has now covered 13 in the last 14 games, the Detroit Pistons. And this is a very lowly power-rated team. So you're catching some pretty big numbers here, right? At Miami, catching 13 points. At Boston, catching 14, even though that was touch-and-go there for a while that week. 
Um, six and a half against Chicago, seven and a half against Atlanta. You can see this here and there uh, that these are going to be some pretty big numbers. And now you take a look at tomorrow. This is where it gets pretty fascinating. Portland on the second leg of a back-to-back, who we talked about in the first hour, showing some fight and catching some pretty big numbers. The Pistons are seven-point favorites tomorrow against the Portland Trailblazers. Who would have thought that the Pistons, this is the first time that the Detroit Pistons have been favored. I'm going to make sure I have this right because I have this in my notes and it looks like it has been all right. Yes, this is the first time that the Pistons have been favored since February 1st. That was a game against the New Orleans Pelicans in which they closed as two-point favorites and just the second time that they've been favored in a game since January 8th. That was a home game against the Orlando Magic. Both of those games, we're talking about laying one and two points and uh, overall on the season, the Detroit Pistons have closed as a favorite just four times. So this should be the fifth time this year that they have closed as a favorite and land seven against the Portland Trailblazers. So you always talk about, right, the the market and the pendulum swinging in one direction or the other. And does the market overcorrect and right, power ratings on certain teams and how it operates? This is one of those now where you get a Pistons team who is playing some incredible basketball for about a month now. Right before the All-Star break, they started covering a couple of these numbers and took it into the break and have been playing pretty good basketball. And then you get Portland who's been one of, statistically, the worst basketball teams in the NBA since the All-Star break. And those two things come together to have the Pistons as a seven-point favorite against the, excuse me, against the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow. And i got to tell you, love the Pistons. Love the young core. Love everything they've done here down the stretch. I've been, I have not bet on them enough, but I've bet on them pretty frequently here since they have gone on this run. Seven's a lot, obviously, for a Pistons team. And this is one of those where I think you jump off the train. Because this is a very big role change for the Detroit Pistons here. So pretty fascinating to the Pistons. It gives you an idea of how bad this has been. Think about that. The Pistons would be a three-point favorite in Portland. Going back to our conversation about this home stretch that's coming up for Portland, to give you an idea of how low this power rating is, this number is telling us that they would be three-point favorites on the road in Portland, the Detroit Pistons are, given this power rating between these two. And from an injury standpoint for these two teams, uh, the Pistons tomorrow, uh, Hamadou Diallo is out. Jeremy Grant is out. Killian Hayes looks like he's going to play. But Corey Joseph and Kelly Olenek are questionable to play. So it's not like this is a full-strength team. Yes, you get the dynamic duo of Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey. But Kelly Olenek, Corey Joseph, and Jeremy Grant are three really key pieces for the Detroit Pistons. So as much as I love the Pistons, it is very much Portland Trailblazers or pass and would not be shocking to see the market respond in such a way that that number starts to dip there. Also on the board for tomorrow, a very big contest, and we'll see again. This this is a pretty tight game down the stretch for the Toronto Raptors against Philly. Now you turn this around to take on the Chicago Bulls, who are 1-9 ATS in their last 10 games, and of course will be getting Patrick Williams, if you weren't with us in the first hour, the news of the weekend, that Patrick Williams will be making his return for the Chicago Bulls, so the Bulls start to get a little bit healthier. But does Williams help them from an offensive standpoint? Over these last 11 games, the Chicago Bulls, offensive rating of about 109.3 per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. Looks like the overnight here is going to open up at about 4.5 with a total of 225.5. And And you wonder, sometimes we see this with the market, right? When a key player comes back from injury, the market will overreact. And the market will say, key player back, plug him in, everything's fine, improve the power rating, let's do it. It's not that easy. Patrick Williams could be on a minutes restriction. Haven't seen anything of the sort yet, but there's probably going to be a limit to the minutes at which he plays. Is he going to be as effective for not playing in such a long time, missing, I think it was October or November, in which he has missed, uh, since he has missed time. So it's not an automatic plug play and everything's going to be perfectly fine here. So keep that in mind as you look at this game and handicap it for tomorrow. And while you're always paying a tax for teams that are playing on the second leg of back-to-backs, I'll always say, 
These are NBA players who've been playing basketball for a while and that they are used to playing in these back-to-back situations. Uh, by the way, Toronto wins a jump ball in the middle of the court. Uh, they are going to get fouled here. It looks like Gary Trent Jr. And uh, with 89-86 in the last few seconds here on the clock, they will be at the free throw line against the Philadelphia 76ers. But early lean to look here at the Toronto Raptors, just given the fact that kind of want to play against the market perception that Patrick Williams not fixes everything, but makes him better. Because you could see that maybe his role tomorrow is not as big as you would expect it to be. Also tomorrow, Boston Celtics on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, now 3-17 and 17 straight up, the Oklahoma City Thunder in their last 20 games. Celtics, second leg of a back-to-back. They dismantled the Denver Nuggets earlier today. And now, for, for Boston, while the motivation might not entirely be there for them, right, against a lowly opponent like the, um, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, from a standings standpoint, the Boston Celtics have a lot to play for here in the last 10 or 11 games on the card for them. Uh, at this point, after the results of today against the Denver Nuggets, Boston currently sits just a half game behind the Milwaukee Bucks for the third seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. And with the loss that Philadelphia is certainly about to take here right now, um, they would move into a tie with the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently the two seed because of percentage points in the Eastern Conference. So overall, the two seed is up for grabs for Boston. Now, what makes it fascinating from a motivational standpoint is, do you want the two seed given the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be favored, you would think, depending on who the matchup is. And you could be getting a first-round series against the Brooklyn Nets. But Boston still has a lot to play for here, can get to his highest two. And, I mean, if they continue to rip off wins left and right and the Heat start to stumble uh, with, like, let's say this Jimmy Butler injury a little bit more serious than first let on, uh, the one seed is a, uh, a very distant goal, potentially, for the Boston Celtics. But we'll see if this is going to be the case. But to give the Oklahoma City Thunder some credit, in the way that they have been playing basketball as of late, while they have been on this losing streak, and again today they cover a number against OKC, or excuse me, against Orlando, this is now four out of five that the Oklahoma City Thunder have covered. So these are some very big numbers that the Thunder are catching, but the market is overreacting a little bit. So something to watch here. You'd expect a very big spread for the Boston Celtics tomorrow against the Oklahoma City Thunder. With that, uh, we're all done. We're all done on Hardwood Handicappers. Make sure you go to vcin.com slash podcast. You missed on any part of this show or your favorite shows. Check that out. Also be part of the Hardwood Handicappers feed. And, of course, stick around because March Madness, it's well underway, as we know. And we are still waiting for some finals between Purdue and Texas. Purdue up 55-52, 840. I get 57-52 left to go in that game. And, of course, the second half between Arizona and TCU. Appreciate you joining us. Greg Peterson takes it next here on VSEN. Hey, Toby. Hey, Toby. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.